Matthew chapter 5. I do want to mention and uh, have a prayer uh, for uh, a prayer request that we learned about last evening, but um, wanted to wait to the opportune time uh, to be able to mention it to you. Uh, but uh, this is, we offer our sympathy to the family of Tanner Wilson. Uh, this is the daughter of Mary Jo Wilson, who is the daughter of our Shirley uh, Thomas and the sister of Lo- Lois Ann Seton. Um, they found her um, passed away uh, last evening. And so we want to uh, give them our sympathy and let's go to our Heavenly Father in prayer on their behalf. Holy Father, thank you so much for this opportunity we have to come together to encourage one another to study your word, Father, to challenge each other in new works and new opportunities to serve. Father, as we approach your throne tonight, Father, our our hearts are heavy for the loss of some of our family members. Father, we pray for Miss Mary Jo and her husband and their family in this loss. We pray for the rest of the family, extended family, the Setons that we have here, Miss Shirley. Father, we pray that you will be with them, that you will give them comfort. Father, as they approach the coming days and weeks, Father, as they have to make arrangements and, Father, they deal with this loss, Father, I pray that you will help them and that you will wrap your arms around them. Father, that our church family here and uh, the Wilson's church family and Jackson, Father, that we all can surround this family and encourage them and support them and pray for them. And Father, we just especially ask that you will be with them at this time as they deal with this tragedy and this difficulty. Father, we cannot imagine uh, those who have not been through this, the loss of a child. Father, we just pray that that you will be with them and that you will bless them and that you will strengthen them and give them comfort. Father, we thank you for the way you work in our lives. We thank you for Jesus. Forgive us of all of our many sins. In Christ's holy name we pray. Amen. And it's interesting that as we mention something like that, that we talk about the idea of happiness. Wednesday night, uh, Brother Donnie mentioned, talked about in our class, the idea of the difference of joy and happiness. And so tonight I want to talk about the other aspect of that. And we were talking about um, spiritual joy and where that comes from. And I believe even when, even though we talked about in, uh, happiness in that class, that happiness had to do with circumstances. And sure, happiness of the world does. But I want us to think about another aspect of happiness. And when you think about happiness, what comes to your mind? If you go to the dictionary, you might find a definition like this. The state of well-being, contentment, also a pleasurable satisfaction. So uh, we know as we think about spiritual joy and as we think about happiness, there are people all around, well, the world, but even in our neighborhoods, we go to work with them, we go to school with them, we see them at the store. People are searching for happiness. Uh, Someone shared an illustration and said a man walks into a counselor's office one day. This man had everything money could buy, a big house, fine car, prestige, power. Yet the night before going to see the counselor, he told his wife and grown children that he was leaving home. When asked by his wife why he was leaving, he simply said, It's time for me to be 
happy. And so we, we understand this idea of the world looking for happiness. In fact, there are three adjectives that most counselors say they hear almost weekly. And they are empty, lonely, and meaningless. Now, many people in our world, they feel this, this hole inside of them. And they, they don't know really what causes it. And they will seek all kinds of means to fill that hole because that void causes them to feel empty. It causes them to feel lonely. It causes them to feel meaningless. And many times these people are surrounded by a lot of friends, a lot of things, and yet they still are empty. Many of these people have reached the top of their company and they're still wondering at the end of the day, what have I done? What have I accomplished? What difference have I really made? Am I really happy? Do you remember back in 1776, the founding fathers of the United States of America, they proclaimed that the pursuit of happiness to be an unalienable right to humankind... But since that declaration, it seems to have taken, uh, that, we have, that many have taken for granted that true happiness and true joy are given by God. It only comes by God. It only comes with our relationship with God. And that's kind of what we're going to think about. And we're going to read through some of these Beatitudes found in Matthew chapter 5. But in the coming weeks, I want us to dive in and, and, and look at some of these different uh, Beatitudes. But tonight, we want to introduce that and think about that. The wealth and technology that, that we've experienced, it's, it's made... It, it's, was created to make people happier, right? Make life more simple. And what's happened as a result? Really, more people are unhappy. More people are, are even busier. And we thought these things would bring simplicity and happiness, but yet they haven't. Maybe you've heard of a hypothetical story like this, but uh, I want to share it with you. It's a story about a youth minister and a 15-year-old. The 15-year-old, he, he always looked miserable. The minister said, now what's the matter with you? And the guy said, I'm just so unhappy. I can't wait until I turn 16 and get my driver's license. It's always that next thing, right? About a year and a half later, the, this youth minister pulled up at a traffic light, looked over, and he saw the young man, and he was driving his parents' station wagon. Isn't that cool? The minister rolled down his window and he said, Well, you must have your driver's license uh, now. He said, Yeah. You don't look too happy about it, the minister said. I thought you were going to be happy when you got your driver's license. The young man said, Have you ever driven a station wagon? This is the most embarrassing thing I've ever seen in my life. If I can just get my own car, then I will be happy. I used to threaten my kids with driving my van, but uh, uh, they felt the same way about the station wagon. A few years later, this youth minister pulled up beside the young man. And again, this time, the young man, he was driving a beautiful sports car. He pulled, rolled down the window and he said, I see you have your own car. The young man still soured said, yeah. Well, I thought you were going to be happy when you got your own car, the youth minister said. Well, my parents have so many rules and regulations. In just a few months, though, I'll be out of here. I'll be going off to college and I'll be on my own. I'll be calling the shots. No one will be telling me what to do. Then I'll be happy. 
A few years later, the youth minister went to a university seminar and he ran into the young man while going across campus. The young man had his customary frown on his face. The minister said, hey, I I thought you were going to be happy when you got away from home. The young man replied, have you ever eaten college cafeteria food? Man, it's terrible. It's jello for breakfast and jello for lunch. It's just horrible. But I found this sweet girl. And if I can just get off campus, get married, and, and get into a nice little apartment, then I'm going to be happy. Well, a few years later, the minister came back to town. He heard that the young man was married and with a, had, a, had a child. The minister went to their home and he knocked on the door. The young man came to the door with an apron on and a baby bottle in one hand and a dirty diaper in the other. Well, you can just imagine what the young man's reply was. Yeah, but I'm going to be happy. And the story could go on and on and on. And we've all known people like that. Well, man, when this happens, yeah, I'm going to be happy. And that's the way a lot of people in our world seek to find happiness. But as Brother Donnie in the lesson pointed out Wednesday night, happiness is not in circumstances. True happiness is not in circumstances. It's in our relationship with God. That's why it's important to do what we do. That's why it's important to be here and encourage one another. Because that's where we get true happiness. Sometimes we think God's not there. Where are you, God? I want to be happy. Well, true happiness and true joy comes with that relationship with God. Knowing that God is still there, even though maybe we can't see what's happening. But happiness, true happiness is such a rare thing. How can we be happy? Is a question that a lot of people ask. A lot of people ask and they're striving for it and they want to know, how can I be happy? Well, if you're in that case tonight, we want you to know that you can be happy and Colton alluded to it through Jesus Christ. Solomon uh, talked about his attempts in finding happiness in the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 2. This is what he said. I searched with my mind how to cheer my body with wine, my mind still guiding me with wisdom, and how to lay hold on folly, till I might see what was good for the sons of men to do under heaven during the few days of their life. I made great works. I built houses and planted vineyards for myself. I made myself gardens and parks and planted in them all kinds of fruit trees. I made myself pools from which to water the forests of growing growing trees. I bought male and female slaves. I had also great possessions of herds and flocks. I also gathered for myself silver and gold. I got singers and yet he would go on to say, but that's not where I found happiness. Yet, Millions, millions in the world are searching for happiness. And they can relate to what Solomon said. I've done this, I've gathered this, I've gotten this, I've gained that. And yet, I'm still not happy. Do you know, isn't it ironic that the people we hold up as people we want to be like, if I could only have what they have or do what they do, then I'm going to be happy, are some of the most unhappy people around? Where are our celebrities found? Oh, on Grammy night or awards night, they're all dressed up and they're smiling. But where are they other days? We see them on magazines and newspapers as we go through the checkout line, don't we? 
And the pictures that they put on those magazines, I realize all that's not true, but the pictures they deploy there, those people don't seem too happy yet. In our world standards, they have it all. They too try to find happiness in achievement, in fame, in wealth, entertainment, in other ways. And more often, they're forced to come to the same conclusion as Solomon. In Ecclesiastes chapter 1 and verse 14, I have seen everything that is done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and striving after the wind. Solomon had everything. Solomon had what, what Hollywood would tell us, this is what you need to have to be happy. And yet, he says, I've seen everything. Everything that's done under the sun. And it's all empty. It's empty. Now, we don't get often, Colton, to remind people from Alabama that even national championships don't bring happiness. And yet, what is the rest of the football world chasing? That same championship. Oh, it might bring some momentary happiness and pleasure, but at the end of the day, Solomon would remind us, listen, it's all vanity. It's all vanity. But is it sinful to search for happiness? Is it wrong to want to be happy? Uh, to, to, to think about that, maybe we might think that that's selfishness on our part. Uh, so is it wrong to, to, to ask God to, to help us be happy and to search for that personal happiness? Well, here's the interesting thing. The Bible makes it clear that God wants us to be happy. God wants His creatures to be happy. Not only that, but here's the kicker. He wants to provide the happiness for which His creation searches. Now, isn't that interesting? That's the way He's created us. God wants His creation to be happy. But God wants His creation to be happy in Him and not the things of the world. Psalm 144 and verse 15, Happy the people to whom such blessings fall. Happy the people whose God is the Lord. Psalm 146 and verse 5, Happy is he whose help is the God of Jacob, whose hope is in the Lord his God. Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 20. He who gives heed to the word will prosper, and happy is he who trusts in the Lord. Philippians 4 and verse 4. Rejoice. I think Brother Donnie mentioned uh, some of these verses that Paul writes. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Where do you get your happiness and your joy from? The Lord. That's what Paul said. But pessimism, pessimism is a flight from reality too common in our world today. The lack of true happiness. And we see it. And if we're not careful, we too will find ourselves chasing after the happiness of the world when God says, I want you to be happy, but I want you to be happy in me.
Are you happy with your church family? Because guess what? The reality is none of us are perfect. And the reality is if you put your happiness and your joy and your trust in, in us, in the church, even the leadership, guess what? You will be dis- disappointed, right? And the psalmist and the writer of Proverbs says, listen, where your true happiness comes from is when your God is the Lord. It's when you put your trust in God. You know, it's really futile to seek happiness without God, isn't it? So why are people so unhappy and so unfulfilled? It's because life has ceased, or life as they know it has ceased to have real meaning in their life. They don't have that relationship with God or they've lost it and they've lost happiness. Someone has said religion has lost its place of significance in the lives of people generally. People have a membership in religious groups in America yet live on a level with the world. And they wonder why they're not happy. Happy? Well, I go to church. Going to church doesn't bring you happiness. Going to church puts you around other people that are trying. Happiness comes from your daily relationship with God. Paul E. Johnson commented on the social alienation of modern times and he observes this. In our time, we have been uprooted from our former homeland, adrift in a mobile and changing society. We are lonely in crowds who seem not to care, pushed to and fro by machines to serve and be served until we too become mechanical and act like machines. We meet the other mostly by external contacts, passing by or our bouncing away as if we were rubber balls. We are hollow men who do not know the inner life of our or of our outer persons or other persons. And so we give attention mainly to the external appearance. Estranged from them or used by them, we are empty within ourselves, lost, souls for whom no one seems to care. And so we find Jesus listing these B attitudes in Matthew chapter 5. Notice them if you will. And seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain. And when he was seated, his and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed, some modern versions will say happy, are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my name, for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus announced that the true secret to true and lasting happiness in the Beatitudes are found 
in our relationship with God and are found when our hearts are right. Someone has said, the Beatitudes are statements of the basic attitudes which are necessary in order for one to be accepted by God and to live the Christian life successfully. Let me read that again. The Beatitudes are statements of the basic attitudes which are necessary in order for one to be accepted by God and to live the Christian life successfully. Jesus constantly emphasized this through the, through the Sermon on the Mount, but through these Beatitudes found in the Sermon on the Mount, and how one can be happy. Attitudes. It begins in the heart. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 1, He says, And seeing the multitudes, He went up on the mountain. And when He was seated, His disciples came to Him. And many believe that this refers to the natural amphitheater between the horns of Haitian on a slope that rises above Capernaum. But someone else has said this, The mountain with its Greek article is best taken to refer to the one right at hand. And this commentator says it would be uh, similar to our expressions of into the woods or into the field when we really have no specific woods or no specific field in mind. So this mountain is here. Jesus is on this mountainside. And it's interesting that He sits down. We stand up. Teachers and ministers and preachers, they stand up to speak today. But in that day and time, they would sit down. And so Jesus sat down and He began to teach. And every beatitude that we call them, in Matthew chapter 5, it begins with the word blessed. As I mentioned, some modern versions would say happy. But this Latin word, blessed, it was a powerful word to those who heard Jesus that day. Uh, to them, it meant divine joy and perfect happiness. Blessed implied an inner satisfaction and sufficiency that did not depend on outward circumstances for happiness. This is what the Lord offers those who trust Him. True happiness. Someone else said the word blessed or happy is translated from the Greek word which was used originally to describe the state of God's as opposed to that of mere mortals. The Greeks also used a form of the word to refer to Cyprus. The happy isle. They believed Cyprus to be so lovely and fertile a place that a man could find happiness, enough happiness there that he would never want to leave it. And so this is the word that Jesus used that these people would understand. They would understand that type of happiness. There was a particular type of happiness that was intended. A genuine, lasting happiness. And that's what Jesus offers. As opposed to that happiness that's fleeting that's deceptive, that's passing like the Hebrew writer, speaking of Moses, chose to enjoy suffering with God's people, to be happy in God, than enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. I'll read to you what another gentleman wrote about this. 
He said, a vast amount of positive thinking literature has been produced in the past few years which offers nothing more than this sort of materialistic approach to religion. For example, one of the best-selling of those books counsels its reader to go to the mirror in the morning to look themselves and say aloud three times, I believe, I believe, I believe. Believe in what, he says. Or better yet, believe in whom? The Beatitudes are not to be confused with that sort of approach to religion. The Christian religion is not a crutch for humanity's lame spirit. Neither is God the brand name for a tranquilizer or spiritual aspirin. And those who can see no more to the divine offer of eternal life than an effort to bring out the best in each of us are worshiping the creature rather than the Creator. One author, author puts it this way, this guy says, The word blessed as used by Jesus in the introduction of each of the Beatitudes means far more than we usually mean by it. We can best illustrate it. We are out on the ocean, he says, in one of our large ships during the raging of a storm. And so he says, in the middle of a storm, in the middle of a storm, he says, we can be happy. The waves are rolling high and everything on the surface of the water is disturbed and even the vessel is rocking back to and fro like a drunken man. But if we could go to the bottom of the ocean, we would find perfect calmness. Nothing is disturbed. Nothing is being moved. That is the condition of the soul in the meaning of the word blessed as used by Jesus in the Beatitudes. Even in the midst of a storm, when you go to the depths of the ocean and yet the storm is brewing up above, you go to the depths of the ocean and that's where you find calmness and that's where you find peace. And why can a person, uh, why does James say, count it all joy when you go through various trials? That's because they help your faith to be stronger. They help your happiness in God be deeper. And that's how. The story is told one morning R.C. Chapman, a devout Christian, was asked how he was feeling. I'm burdened this morning, was his reply. But his happy countenance contradicted his words. So the questioner explained in surprise, are you really burdened, Mr. Chapman? Yes. But it's a wonderful burden. It's an overabundance of blessings for which I cannot find enough time or words to express my gratitude. Seeing the puzzled look on the face of his friend, Chapman added with a smile. I'm referring to Psalm 68 and verse 19, which fully describes my condition. In that verse, the Father in heaven reminds us that He daily loads us with benefits. So are you happy tonight? I hope that your happiness is in your relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Because that's the only place where we can have true happiness. Our circumstances are going to change. And that was one thing that came out in our class. Our circumstances are going to change. Today might be great, but tomorrow... Tomorrow our circumstances may not be so great. But can we still be spiritually happy? Spiritually joyful? Yes. Because we've received that calmness and that peace 
even in tears, even in tragedy, even when our nation is at unrest, because it comes in the depths of our relationship with God. Are things in your life like you would want them to be? Most of us would say no. Are things in our church family like you would want them to be? Most of us would say no. But can we truly be happy? Uh, Today in our meeting, Brother Eddie Harden brought out, as we talked about the things we're doing and how we can improve those, he encouraged us and challenged us. He said, listen, there are a lot of good things going on here. There are a lot of reasons to be happy. There are a lot of reasons to be joyful. Because there are things and ways that we can serve, that we can share, that we can show compassion on people, that we can share the love of Jesus Christ and the saving message of Jesus Christ. There are good things. There are things to be happy about. And there are things to be joyful about spiritually. But you see, we need to be reminded and encouraged. Yes, we need to be encouraged to raise the bar to continue moving forward, to continue moving on, to do better, but not to look down on one another. Not to become discouraged because things aren't going like I want them to go. Not to be discouraged because the circumstances in our church family or the circumstances in my family or the circumstances in my job or the circumstances at school are not like I want them to be. But you see, we can make a difference. Because of our relationship with God, like Mr. Chapman. What's going on? I got some burdens. But you're smiling. Well, maybe your circumstances won't allow you to smile. But your circumstances will always allow you to give glory and praise and gratitude to Almighty God, who does bring true happiness and true joy. Tonight, we ask, are you a Christian? Have you given your life to Jesus Christ? Because you believe that He's the Son of God. You believe that He came and He walked on this earth. You believe that He's your Savior and the Savior of the world. And you're ready. And I mentioned this morning, like Lisa said last week, I'm ready to give my life to the Lord. And you too can go down in this watery grave of baptism to die to your old self, to rise in newness of life and go on your way rejoicing, coming in contact with the blood of Christ, being connected to that death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, being connected then to true happiness. Maybe it is you're here tonight and you're not happy. And you want to give all that to God and you want us to pray with you and pray for you. We can do that. We can assist you in that way. But whatever your need is tonight, don't wait another moment. Come forward and let us assist you any way we can as together we stand and sing.